Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Howard Prager is president of Advanced Learning Group and is an author, speaker, executive coach, and leadership consultant who strengthens people and organizations through insightful leadership and management programs. With extensive experience in Fortune 500 companies, consulting, and executive education, Howard's work with small businesses, nonprofits, and large organizations has earned him eight professional awards. Howard brings his diverse talents and perspectives as an association leader, tuba player, and sports writer to all of his work. And he is also the author of a new book, Make Someone's Day, Becoming a Memorable Leader in Work and Life. Howard is an active volunteer, facilitator, and mentor in higher education, professional associations, and youth organizations. We are really thrilled to have you with us today on Be Brave at Work, Howard. Thank you, Ed. I'm delighted to be here. Could you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you are currently interacting in the marketplace? Sure, I'd love to. So uh, when I listen to it, I'm thinking, do I do all that? And the answer is (laughs) yes, I do all that. So like, like all or many entrepreneurs who are uh, solopreneurs in in their own practice. You know, I've got several different um, activities, income streams, if you will, but I call them callings. I've got several callings that really speak to me. Um, I love executive coaching. I love instructing and facilitating. I love uh, being able to be a, a fly in the wall. I also love being able to be out there and doing things that really elevate people and companies to make a difference in the world. And in part, the latest thing I've done to do that is write this book, uh, Make Someone's Day, because it's, to me, the way I've lived my life and the way that I can see it leading to so many things. So may I share a quick just example of where it came from? Absolutely. Please. Thank you, Howard. Sure. So kindness has typically not been one of the corporate values that you'll see uh, on, on, on corporate walls or, or websites or whatever, but it's so desperately needed today. As people are more stressed than ever, 
from managing COVID for the last two years, both for themselves and their families, adapting to the new varied forms of work, including working remote and hybrid, and then wondering and worrying as things are changing and people are now being asked to come back to work or to move from remote to hybrid and just adds to the stress, as well as pressure at home from the news and the war in Ukraine. So being brave right now is just showing up and being there. And so kindness really is something that that is almost a bonus. And companies that include kindness and fun in their DNA are doing really well. Uh, they always have, but even more now when we're looking at how do we retain our best talent. So companies such as Wegmans, Zappos, Southwest, even smaller places like the Pike Place Fish Market are doing very well right now because they bring kindness in to the workplace and fun, and they make it part of the part of work. And that's all that's uh, involved in my book as well. Fantastic. And, you know, I love the word kindness because this idea of kindness leads a little bit to compassion. And of course, compassion is similar to kindness. But when we are brave at work, the model that I attempt to help people approach it with is recognizing that you're helping somebody else. You're not judging, you're not belittling, you're not uh, making fun of them, but you're attempting to help them recognize how they might be experienced in the workplace so that you can come up with a couple of ideas on how they might modify it. And it sounds very similar to this concept that you talk about called kindness. Absolutely. You know, kindness, Ed, in the workplace can make such a huge difference in increasing motivation, productivity, and the biggest challenge the companies are facing today, retention of their talent, and especially of their top talent. So here's a quick example from my book and what one CEO did. Doug Conant was brought in as CEO to turn around Campbell's, which was creating more red than just their tomato soup. One action he took was to write about 200 thank you notes each week to people who did something positive to help Campbell's. Did that make a difference? Absolutely. It reinforced people doing the right thing and being brave by doing things in a new, more productive way rather than just going into the same old habits. And he retained them at Campbell's. And thank goodness, because I love Campbell's soup, don't you? I love tomato soup, especially yeah. one of my classic favorites. And so I'm wondering, Howard, uh, for our listeners, because kindness is such an important part of being brave at work. And I do believe that if you are telling somebody something they need to hear that might be hard for you to say, that you have to approach it with kindness and empathy. Uh, what are some ways that people can show kindness? I think classic ways, of course, are being courteous and being respectful to others, you know, the general ways that we can look at kindness, but in the research that you've done or the clients you've spoken to, in addition to writing or handwriting notes, which of course takes effort and is a significant, uh, you know, evidence of kindness at work. Uh, what are some other ways that people can demonstrate kindness in the workplace? So it can be as simple as, yeah, I'm thinking since the workplace today, Ed, is both in-person and online, when I researched the book, I wanted to really see, 
can this work online? And to my delight, it really does. Even sending someone a text that says, way to go, can really make a difference for people. So it's as simple as that. Um, smiling, if you're in person or even on screen looking at each other, a smile can turn things around for people. So there are very simple ways and actions that you can take. I create a model uh, because I'm, as a social scientist, coming up with models to learn things is, is part of my DNA. <laughs> Right. And right. so I said, who doesn't like being treated like a VIP? Do you know anyone who said, I don't want to be treated like a VIP? I haven't, I haven't run to people like that yet. Everyone wants to feel like we're getting special treatment. So I created the VIP model. V stands for view and observe. And that's either in person or online. View and observe what's going on. What do you see happening with the person, with the situation? What are they posting or commenting on? What might they be concerned and what might they need? So step one is the V, view and observe. The second step is the I, and I stands for identify and consider. Identify what you might want to do. What might they need? Might they need some positive encouragement or an attaboy? You did great, and you can do that so simply. Or might they need something more that takes a little more work and effort? So identify and consider what actions you might want to take. And then the P is simple. It's to plan and act. And too often we act without planning or without thinking. And it might just be planning for a few seconds if it's something you're going to do right away. But just taking that moment to plan, and certainly if it was more involved, you would want to take a little more time, more involved in, in planning, but then act. Act with intention, act with deliberation, act with sincerity, act with kindness, because those things will really impact um, others. So that's the model. It's as simple as VIP. I love the model, Howard, and I'm just wondering, going back to the start of your comments, why so many of the ways that we can show kindness at work are so obvious and yet so hard to do. So something like smiling, right? That's kind of a basic human behavior. Yes. You know, you, you didn't have to go to college to learn how to smile. I mean, it's just something people show Facebook videos of infants smiling, right? So it's something you learn with. And yet, you know, I have clients that I work with who at the workplace are so serious, uh, people just want them to smile. And I'm like, why do I have to give them that advice on learning how to smile in order to build a relationship or to acknowledge somebody else's experience? Uh, I'm not attempting to put you on the spot, but I'm just wondering why are some of the ways that we can show kindness so basic and yet so hard for people to do? What I believe, Ed, is that in the past, we've kind of separated our work life from our personal life. Um, and that took place because we left home and we went to an office somewhere. And when we went to that office, we put on, too often, we put on the persona of being serious, right? This is work. I've got to be serious about this. And somehow, smiling got off the list of how to be serious. 
And so we end up being so serious and so focused and just doing, you know, what we're told and what's needed that we don't even take the time to smile and and bring ourselves, bring our whole person to work. One of the benefits of the pandemic, um, and, and it's hard to say ben- benefit, right? Because it was a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. But, but one of the benefits has been when people are working remotely, all of a sudden you're seeing the whole person. You're not just seeing their work and the work persona. And that whole person might be like that BBC broadcaster whose little kid came into his uh, report uh, online and, and made so many of us laugh that here's this little baby and then his wife chasing after the baby so that because he's on BBC, he's got to be serious, right? You don't yeah. smile on BBC, you're serious. So I think think the it has opened us up to bring our whole selves. And the more that we can do that, the more that we can be genuine, the better it's going to be for us, for the workplace, and for uh, our, really for our careers. Absolutely. And, you know, you think about the importance of relationships in the workplace. And, of course, demonstrating kindness as part of the relationship is so critical. The V of your VIP, which is view and observe, to me, is also about empathy, which is uh, viewing and being aware of others. So having high social awareness and then observing so that you can act appropriately. And if you observe that someone is behaving or uh, acting in a way that's different than normal or past behavior, asking them about it and ensuring that they're okay. You know, that's how we show empathy in the workplace. That's how we build relationships. That's how we build engagement. And yet again, it just seems like these are far away ideas for so many leaders. Yes, you are so right. So let me share some examples of some leaders who get it. Great. So and So being brave at work doesn't mean you need to be foolish. It means you need to push yourself, open yourself up, and do the best that you can. So I want to tie them in to being brave at work as well. So Sam was new to her job at a major law firm as a paralegal. And on the second day, Sam got an assignment from her boss and wanted to get it done quickly and well. But that night when she got home, she realized that she did something wrong and felt awful. She barely slept that night worrying what to do. Uh, The next morning, Sam bravely went to her boss and fessed up her mistake. She knew that, especially being so new, she could be chewed out or even fired. Instead, here's what her boss said. It's not your fault. I believe people make mistakes because of poor directions. That's not your fault. It's mine. I need to do a better job of telling you so that you know the right way to do it. Can you imagine, Ed, having a boss like that when being brave isn't a trip to the woodshed, but a trip to learning, to honesty, to openness? We need this more in the workplace, and Make Someone's Day helps make that happen by creating a culture and creating leaders that support growth, encourage creativity and productivity, and retain the best people. And why would Sam, with a boss like that, leave her job for a few dollars more? I'll tell you, she won't. 
she'll stay because she has a boss who knows how to treat people and make someone stay and allow her to be brave in the workplace. Well, I have had many bosses in my professional career, and I did work for a boss like Sam's boss, who I could go in and be honest when I made a mistake or didn't do something correctly, which I, I won't say happened all the time, but certainly did happen, and uh, always felt as though he was invested in me, meaning uh, I could handle telling him about the mistake. He would handle hearing about the mistake effectively, and we would work together to solve it. You know, there's a difference between a snapshot, which is a mistake that happens every once in a while that we can all make, and a movie, which is a mistake you keep making, even though you're being given other advice, and that might become a performance management issue. But, uh, you know, I did work for a boss like that, and many of my clients work for the type of boss you talked about previously, who you avoid telling mistakes to and come up with all of these complex ways to ensure your boss never hears about the mistake because of the reaction your boss will have. And, you know, that does not create transparency. That does not create efficiency. It uh, doesn't help build your capabilities as a leader. You know, it's all negative in respect to that. So uh, I think it was brave of Sam to be uh transparent with her boss the next day and share what she had experienced. And I agree with you. I wish all leaders created an environment like that where people could be themselves and make great progress. Yes. Yes. Because when you're allowed to uh, make mistakes or fail, you grow so much. And you know this from your coaching and consulting practice, right? It's when you're given that freedom to be brave and bold and do things differently that you learn the most. And and it's the, the best learning experience we can have. Well, I just finished reading a book called The Power of Regret by Daniel Pink. And uh, I believe, especially in the world of bravery, that a lot of people have regret today for things they didn't do in the past and wish they had handled differently. Yet he argues that uh, being and having regret is a very human feeling, and it actually preps us and prepares us to do it the next time better. So, in fact, I do something that didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. Rather than feel regretful, say, what did I learn from that, and what can I do differently to ensure that never happens again? And so it builds our confidence. It builds our capabilities. It ensures that we get better and better versus you know getting stuck in this past negative world of regret and, and feeling bad. So, you know, I think it can be helpful in respect to, you know, moving forward in very positive and meaningful ways. Yes. Thank you. I, and how about, how about you, Howard? Uh, I want to make sure we hear from you. If you have a story about a time in your career where you might not have shown bravery and the thoughts and impact that had on you today. Yes, I, I, I will. And, you know, Sadly, those things stay in our minds so much more than the hundreds of, of successes that we have, right? Uh, when, when I was thinking about this uh, prior, I'm thinking, gosh, there's two or three times I can think about in my whole career of 40 years that, that things didn't work out. And yet those things still are so vividly etched. Uh, so... Um, there's a huge disparity. I don't know why that is, but one of the few times I failed in my career was when I was account manager uh, for a new program for a large client. 
And that large client uh, we worked, we had all these uh, project plan and deadlines, and they missed every single deadline. But did that change the date of the workshop because they missed the deadlines? No. Um, they, they went ahead with the workshop. And so uh, I had my faculty there, and it went horribly. This was supposed to be all week, and day one was just awful. Um, I could see only one choice at a time. I, I, I just thought to myself, what's the least risky way I can try to save this? Because I was not brave enough to take a riskier solution. Um, so I gave a pe talk to the faculty, trying to get her to be more confident, which I knew she could be, and, and to show herself in a stronger sense. Um, but that was the least uh, risky option. I realized that I could have jumped in and co-taught with her the next day, and thereby taking on some of the challenges myself. That would have been braver and riskier to do. Or I could have brought in a whole new faculty which is riskiest. But of course, I found out afterwards that uh, a couple of my star faculty would have loved to have been able to do that and said, yeah, we would have come in. If you called us that night, we'd have been ready the next morning. So my lesson learned from that, and as you say, Ed, it's the lessons that we learn from this. When things are falling apart is the time we need to be braver to take riskier solutions and bigger risks, not to try to play it as safe as we can. Well, I love that story, Howard. Thank you for sharing it with us. And one of the key things I love about it is recognizing that you had multiple ways that you could have handled that situation. There's not just one answer of how, if I didn't do it the way that it, uh, I could have done it, or if it didn't happen the way that it should have happened, there's not just one way that I could have dealt with it or navigated through it, I had options, right? I had different ways that I could have approached it. You know, I chose the one that I chose. Maybe upon reflection, it wasn't the most uh, comprehensive answer, but it was the answer that I chose. So I think options are important. Yes, I agree. As is trying to step out, maybe step out of your comfort zone and make someone's day is the same way. It's easy to do the thing that is less risky, safer, not rocking the boat. But when you try to do something a little out of your comfort zone, you grow and you make someone stay at the same way. So I did that with Marshall Goldsmith. Marshall's a, a number one executive coach in the world. He's written many best-selling books, is a great management thinker and speaker. And I was at a conference early one morning where he was the keynote speaker and he was up kind of just looking over the room and stuff. There wasn't anyone there but him and me. So I decided, well, I'm just going to go up to him and tell him how much I admired his work and especially his generosity. So many people who have great ideas and theories and such, you know, that they don't, they charge for every idea, every program, every thought that they had. And Marshall is like just super generous in spirit. Everything is available free on his website and verse, and he's just really open like that. So his ideas and kindness made such a difference to me and to the world. And so when I went up to thank him 
and say, Marshall, you've really made a difference. I've used your technique called feed forward hundreds of times. I just love it. Marshall thanked me. And what's more, he saw something in me by going up and doing that um, that turned out to be uh, remarkable and has changed my life. Well, Marshall is a uh, guest of Be Brave at Work. His podcast is going to be uh, distributed in early May. Oh, great. Well, your, your listeners will love hearing him. So he invited me, I don't know if you know of this organization he put together to share his wisdom and knowledge called the MG100, um, 100 of the leading coaches and executives from around the world um, to learn from him. Uh, 16,000 people were applying for that one of those coveted spots. And Marshall, after what I said to him, invited me to be part of the group. Wow, that is fantastic, Howard. Thank you for uh, sharing that with us. And thank you as well for your bravery story regarding uh, the the training session that you mentioned a few moments ago. And we really appreciated you having time to be on our podcast today. If folks want to learn more about the work that you're doing, uh, the book that you've written, Make Someone's Day, Becoming a Memorable Leader in Work and Life, how can they get in touch with you? The best way and easiest way is to go to my website, and that's howardhprager.com. Howard, H-P-R-A-G-E-R.com. And I use the middle initial um, on, on the book and my website um, in tribute to my dad, who used his middle initial in work as well. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, Howard, once again, thank you so much for being a guest on Be Brave at Work. My pleasure, Ed. It's been uh, great talking to you, and I wish everyone listening a wonderful day and try some kindness and make someone's day today. It'll come back to you in so many ways, and you'll feel better in doing that. Thank you again, Howard. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today, and we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.